This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 135 uh this week i'm very pleased to be joined by i guess i could say first time guest i'm gonna say long time listener you always send a lot of questions in at least so i would hope yeah. you're listening yeah um yeah I, I i listened to the first 10 minutes and then nothing else and then pretend i listened to everything <laughs> but uh what's up callum hello eh, nothing much um Thanks for having me on. Hopefully, I'll be good enough to talk about Stardom and Tokyo Joshi and DDT, the the trifecta of promotions that don't have fans. Apparently, every every time I've for people who've long time listeners, every time I've ever done a question from Ice Age coming, that's you. So yes, you yes, that is me. If, um, so you know who to send your um, hate mail to now. Yeah. Um, but thank you for coming on. Sort of last minute. I think originally I was supposed to have on. Um, sean sean cedar this week but like when i planned out the month but that was assuming that we were going to be talking about like four new Japan cup shows and the anniversary show that none of which happened and plus he was going to watch like the because stardom no people get was announced already and he was going to watch that like as a first timer and give his thoughts which i thought would have been cool because it's it's streamed live on youtube people who don't know so which by the way it looks like they're almost at 100k uh, views last time I checked, so there, a lot of people are checking that, which is great. It, it, but, uh, it, it seems like a lot of people um, on on social media, a lot of people from Japan, it was like their first time seeing Stardom, and yeah. seemed to be seemed to get over popular. But yeah, it's hard to tell the impact but, uh, of these things. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, like they're they're already doing like their best numbers ever <laughs> pre- before yeah. before this YouTube thing. So like, I, you know, I, I know like the next big goal. Is Oda Ward, which I can't remember when that is. It's like coming up in a few months, I it's, think. It's the end of it's the end of April. So yeah, oh, I so mean, even closer. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, we're not entirely sure if that'll happen yet. But <laughs> I think I think it will happen. End of April, I hope so. Unfortunately, it's not the same weekend as WrestleMania, so there's absolutely no chance of WrestleMania getting cancelled. Maybe I'll post yeah. on Twitter about how Stardom are a much bigger promotion than WWE. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so back to my original point. So Sean was going to come on and do New Japan with me and also do like his first time thoughts on stardom, but you know, there's no New Japan, so there's not much of a point 
you know, he figured he'll come back on when there's actually stuff he wants to talk about. So sorry that we can't have Sean on, but I'm sure he'll be back uh, at a later date. But thank you very much, Kyle, for stepping in here in a relatively last minute to uh, to jump in and talk about some empty arena. It's the no people cast here because it's all empty yeah. arena shows from uh, coronavirus hit Japan. It might be no no people shows might be coming here soon. Like, do you see the way the the this American outbreak is going? It's I like, mean, Jesus. I'll be honest. Here is here. I mean. Here, at least, it seems like the government have a little bit of sanity about it. But yeah, the stuff going over there. Oh, I mean, America has. We have no idea. We, oh, we have yeah, no oh, idea what the fuck we're doing here. Course, you can't. Um, it's all a conspiracy theory, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's like, a hoax according to the president. <laughs> so a slightly funnier one than that was um, when I was um, going out somewhere yesterday. I had the radio on in the car, and there was a guy who was on the radio who called in to say that um, the coronavirus was a big conspiracy, so that Liverpool Football Club couldn't win the football league. So. <laughs> um, Compared to compared to that, I think the president's slightly more sensible. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, so it's we're in, it's a mess here. I mean, I live in New York City, and we just declared a uh, state of emergency because I think they're up to on, over 100 cases just in New York State alone. Most of them are actually in Westchester, which is like for people, for people who don't know New York geography, that's like basically the northern suburbs. Uh, I'm very close to Westchester, <laughs> like I'm in the Bronx, but like Westchester's like. I don't know. I could get there in a car in like 10 minutes. So, uh, yeah, I'm not thrilled with that news. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, if you get this, if I get this coronavirus, I'm probably not going to die or even be hospitalized. It's like, you know, older people. Yeah. And immunity compromise, immune immune system compromised people that are, you know, uh, in danger. And that's, you know, my my heart goes out to all of them because it is very scary. I mean, my dad is both. Honestly, my dad is old and. You know, immune system compromised. I'm mostly very scared for him, and I hope. Uh, yeah, I mean, know. my 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 grandmother is very old, and if you know, if, it, if she got it, she'd be. I think she'd be gone right away. As sad as that sounds. Yeah, that so it is. It, I mean, it is frightening by that by that perspective. I mean, from a personal perspective, I have asthma, which is relatively mild, but mm. it's still an extra risk. But yeah, I, I I think I'd be fine. You know. Yeah, but uh, so that's what's going on right now in the rest of the world, <laughs> coronavirus. <laughs> So it's a bit depressing, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't know when. So so I guess to give an update on how things are going in Japan, we're not sure, basically, what's going on, really. I mean, like, they're up to, I think they're up to 481 confirmed cases last time I checked. Uh, no. Which, Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, which is not like, you know, it's, it's actually not that many. Well, 497, I'm sorry, I just looked. It's not as much as you would think honestly compared to like there are there are 497 out of um i believe they've done let me say because i have these stats right in front of me uh i don't know we're corona cast here 497 out of 8176 tested which is less than they've tested in like south korea and like you know other areas around there so there probably is more that they haven't gotten yet but america we're above 400 tested and we've tested like 2000 people so like there is a shitload of coronavirus cases in America. So basically, what I'm trying to tell people listening is like, I guess if you're in the states, like I am, uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be bad here for the next couple months. I think. I think we're looking at. I don't know if they're going to go as far as Japan has gone, like as far as canceling events or having no fan events. But uh, I, you know, it's not going to be good. I, I don't WrestleMania. Can you even I, imagine going to fucking WrestleMania in the middle of this? I, I mean. <laughs> it's just like like a hundred thousand people from all over the world 
in different stages of this epidemic are going to convene on one fucking... It already has its own cases. Like, Tampa has cases already. I mean, that sounds... And then they're all going to go back to where they came from. I mean, they should cancel WrestleMania, if we're being honest, and they're not going to. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be real fun. I mean, it, it may get to a point where they have to. Um, because that's a decision made by the state government, and right, it only ha- it only happened at the city or the state. Yeah. And I guess do it. And I guess you could argue that maybe the federal government tried to lean on them, but it's also an election year, and I think that let's be honest, the, the worst thing that any any person could do in an election year is support WWE. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, I, I think this is this isn't any this is me making a prediction rather than saying anything for sure. I wouldn't be shocked if Tokyo Joshi cancel. Um, Tokyo oh yeah, for April. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't I shock would, me either. I wouldn't because especially since that show. For, for, I mean, we don't know, but um, from all reports, it doesn't seem like they're doing necessarily brilliantly ticket sale t- ticket sale wise. Yeah, I mean but, they're still promoting it on Twitter right now, but I mean, I guess that doesn't um, mean anything. We're still a month out. Um, Shimmer were meant to bring over, I think, Takasa Fujimoto with someone, and then two or three other people uh, from Japan, and then they made the call to not do that. Yeah. Um. So uh, it's hard to say, really. Um. But it may well be that they run the car- they recommence in Japan, but then going to America, especially a place that's already coronavirus affected, especially if there's the risk of court, it, it, it's less. It's less the chance of um getting infected. It's more just being stuck in a quarantine zone. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I it wouldn't shock me at all. Like you said, if that, that gets canceled, that's a good point. Uh, who knows if the new I mean, New Japan has a show that weekend too. The uh, the Wines Break project or whatever. And imagine how awful that ROH show will be if suddenly all the New Japan guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you take away like all like even like the Bullet Club people, and then also like yeah, I, I mean that that would be pretty bad. Like no Shingo and all them. And no Osprey. You could subtitle the show at that point: the kneecapping of scurrilism. Yeah, but I guess we'll see. Uh, I mean, usually Nagata's supposed to be here for the Pure Tournament. Uh, you know, hopefully that happens because I have tickets to the New York show. Uh, I'm so. Going to, so you decided to go and see. So you have definitely gone to, decided to go and see Matt Taven over Daisuke Sasaki. Then I, I I have the tickets already. I don't know what else to do. Right? <laughs> I mean, look, if Nagata doesn't show up, I might just fucking eat the cost of the ticket and go see Sasaki. The problem is the rest of that fucking show is gonna suck. The Sasaki oh, it's- show. It's gonna have like Bull James and like I don't know all these fucking dirt bag New York indie guys that can't fucking wrestle with shit. So uh, I don't know. We'll say. So I really I, would like to see Daisuke. Why the fuck are they running head to head with Ring of Honor on a random Thursday in New York City? It's so weird. <laughs> like, did is Bull James have heat with Ring of Honor or something? I don't understand. But, perhaps, but it's, maybe it's the old WWE strategy of just. I don't know. Actually, that makes no sense. Actually, yeah. Be, be, I don't know. Potentially kneecapping yourself to, yeah. Well, whatever. Um, in the meantime, you know, we're going to be talking no people gate this week. Some promotions seem like they're still running. I mean, a lot of just promotions are still running. Um, you know, um, Sendai all, Girls had a title match, which will air. Yeah, today. all all Japan is promoting a show on the fourteenth at Shinkiba, so it looks like they're going to resume on time as of now, at least. Uh, Big Japan is still doing the strong climb for the most part. They had to cancel a couple of shows. I think it's like the arenas made them cancel, but the they ran their February 3rd Corican and they had an announced crowd of like 545 or something. But uh, their March 3rd Corican, I should say. And that's going to air 
uh, in a couple of days on March 10th. So if nothing else, we'll have that to talk about next week. Um, uh, I think in terms of other upcoming things, I think pretty much the only Joshi companies to have stopped are Stardom and Tokyo Joshi. Yeah, everybody um, else seems like they're still running. Seedling have a car in next week, and it, yeah, it, it that's going to be 540. Then God knows <laughs> I know that's going to be dire. That Seedling car and they they might announce like 300. It's a shame because the, the main events it's uh, Arisa Nakajima versus um, Rina, Rina Yamashita, which um, sounds like a really really good match, yeah. but no one's going to see it. Yeah, I mean it's going to air on Samurai at least, right? And um, probably Nico, I guess. Oh, Nico. Okay. Well, someone will see it, I guess, but uh, not not that many people in the building. Um, as far as you know, other Japanese, products, I mean, Wrestle One has the fifteenth at um, Oda War Gym, which they're still running as of now. I mean, the big thing is New Japan has still not made a call yet on whether or not they're coming back on the sixteenth. Everything's canceled through the fourteenth. So the sixteenth, I mean, that's you know. Uh, eight days away, so they, they have to make a call soon. I think Stardom um, canceled. Stardom canceled their shows on the twentieth and twenty second. Yeah, so that um, I would. Well, they, so people say that they are technically run separately. So I mean, Stardom can't remember. Stardom canceled yeah. everything and went to No People Gate like a while before New Japan canceled everything. So it could be a hint, but it could not be a hint. It's tough yeah, to say yes. because stardom is run by like the, the, the same division as the kickboxing company, whereas new Japan is run by like its own division, basically. Um, I mean, if I had to guess right now, my, like my own personal prediction is new Japan will probably cancel those shows, uh, at least until Sakura Genesis, which is, uh, I believe March 30th, either March 30th or 31st. And, I think they will maybe follow Stardom's lead and do No People Gate. I, that's just my prediction. I, I don't think they're going to go completely black for the next, uh, you know, three weeks. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I think we'll hear something. You know, we're going to have to hear something this week, probably I've, Monday or Tuesday, I would think. I, I have a bold idea. So, um, Gedo, if you're listening, I know you're a proud listener of Wrestling Magazine. <laughs> um, why don't you do uh, New Japan Cup one night? Have the first three rounds be five minute time limit with two count full, <laughs> and then and then do Jan Ken if there's a tie, tie of course because you can't break ties, and then yeah. go on from there. I think quite quite clearly as we saw today, that's a as we saw every week, brilliant idea, brilliant. Um, but I guess we'll wait and see. I, I, I mean, they it, what I think they're going to do is they're going to follow other major sports leagues, and the rugby union now is saying they're not going to come back. Uh, it sounds like on the 14th when they were scheduled. Um, the, the other thing I think they're waiting maybe is to see what the uh, Nippon professional baseball and the J League soccer are like have come together to and they're, they're like gonna basically make any plans together, which is actually kind of crazy if you know anything about the Japanese sports league. Like those two organizations, I don't know, they've been like in a cold war basically since uh the J League was founded in like the early 90s, so I think that's right, the early 90s. Um, you know, I'm not exactly a J League soccer expert, but I, from what I understand, the two organizations like they they do not like each other. So, the fact that this virus has brought them together is kind of a big deal. Um, I, but they're not going to make their announcement. They're going to make their announcement next Sunday, I think, the 15th is what I'm hearing. So you think New Japan would have to decide something oh, before that? You, they, they can't go and start canceling shows the day before they happen because yeah. at that point, at that point, you'll have people already there, right. and I, they'll make the call before anyone travels. Because yeah. the first the first show's back. Where are the first shows back? They're not. They're they're, they're not. They're not Tokyo. Yeah, they're pretty far out. I don't remember the exact place. I mean, I know they end in Niigata 
for the New Japan Cup. It's supposed to end two nights in Niigata. And then I think there's a couple other shows before that that are also like further out. They're not definitely not Tokyo area. Um, you know, I could see them canceling those shows and trying to scramble and find something in Tokyo, but whether or not they can even do that, who knows? Um, I mean, it would depend, I guess, if other people have canceled at Gorkin, I guess, but then because they aren't going to run, there are other places in Tokyo, but you know, New Japan aren't going to do any TV shows that should keep a first ring or exactly. It's, it's going to have to be something yeah. that looks good for their TV. Which is yeah. why they'd run. The reason they'll run, I, th- I think we both agree that they'll do empty arena. I think. I, we, I think we both. I think we both agree they'll do empty arena. It's for TV. It's why Stardom. It's why the Cinderella tournament will happen um, on the twenty eighth. I think it is because they need yeah. that. That's a samurai show, and they need stuff for their for their own TV. I think. Yeah, you know, New New Japan needs stuff. I mean, they're they're about to move to prime time on TVSI. Uh, you know, BSSIE. So I think it's. Uh, I think they and are going to probably. You've also got New Japan World, and while I think people yeah. understand them not running anything there, there does have there is a point where they have to put that's put new content on there for people, otherwise people will unsubscribe. Yeah, I don't know. I hope I hope they come. They're able to come back. I hope things get better in Japan. Uh, I, you know, we're going to talk about these empty arena shows. They they had def- very different vibes in some cases. One of them I think had a more normal quote unquote vibe than I expected. Um, but um, I would like to see the rest of these. I would like to see them be able to run shows in front of fans again. I, I mean, at the very least, at least America should have to join in our punishment. We should have empty arena, empty arena dynamites, empty arena raws. Uh, it's not fair that like, America gets to just fucking keep running their shows in the middle of an outbreak. I, I, did, I did actually think it was quite interesting that um, most of these shows, um, I thought from watching them, um, I, I was down in London for a job interview on Friday and I watched a bunch of shows on the train on the way back. And then when I got back before I went to bed, I made the foolish mistake of putting the TV on. And um, Friday night SmackDown, which is really Sunday, Saturday early morning SmackDown, was on. And somehow that had less crowd heat than these empty arena shows. <laughs> I thought it was quite impressive. <laughs> I mean, like, it's true. How would you... I mean, look, Dynamite would be the big loss, but, uh, you know, how would, there is an argument that you can't even really tell the difference in WWE. <laughs> So, I mean, b- b- before we get into the actual shows, I'm really interested. Which company do you think had the best vibe? Because I, I, I thought Stardom for sure. Because Stardom to me, Stardom to me felt like the, some of those matches were going on, and I forgot there was no crowd, especially the tag matches. But I, like the... I, I prefer Tokyo Joshi to them all because one of the one of the Twitter comments they read on the first show last week described that as being like it was like an old nwa style show and that was the feel of it it almost felt like they're doing like this weird like they, they transplanted themselves into some weird american tv studio in the 80s and just did that but in their own way and i really like that vibe of it and it was just a lot of fun well yeah no i agree the shows are fun it's just that to me was much more different from the normal tokyo joshi whereas the stardom show yeah. i guess because it was in corican but like yeah it i missed the crowd way less than i thought i would so i guess and- well it's a good transition to start in. Yeah. yeah. Um, they actually told a lie. Their attendance wasn't zero. Their attendance, <laughs> was, their attendance was actually three. It was really not. Yeah. Um, it wasn't no people gate. It yeah. was like a few people gate. Yeah. I said, you had, um, you had Will Osprey there, of course. Um, Mr. Chris Brooks had decided to come along and watch his friends. And then um, for half the show, you had um, some random chap in a mask sitting on the orange seats watching and having a bit of fun. Oh, wait. So that's who was in the crowd? It was Will Osprey and Chris Brooks? Yeah, I know. 
And also during the comment, and when Liger wasn't on commentary, he just chilled out in the orange seats. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Um, well, they got a fun. They got so, to be there for a fun show. So, so it's now official that um, that um, Mayu Utani versus Saki Kashima in a lumberjack match drew a whole three more people than Tetsuya Naito versus. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's get into Stardom No People Gate, March eighth. Uh, from Cork and Hall, so that took place basically today, as we're recording this on Sunday. Um, of course, you know, like you said, three fans. Let's say um, it. So this this was the first show in Stardom history to stream live on YouTube for everybody anybody to watch. Um, do you? I should have checked this first. Is it still up on YouTube, or do you have to have Stardom World to to see um, the replay? I believe it was still up. I, I believe it is still up because I sort of was distracted during the tag title match and didn't quite watch it all. So I was going to rewatch it before this, but didn't have time. And uh, when I checked it about an hour ago, it was still up. So I'm guessing they'll probably pull it down when it goes on Stardom World, but I, I think they're yeah. not going to do it until... So you may have time. So the answer is you may have time still, uh, you know, if you want to watch Stardom on YouTube. But yeah, so this show was... So basically, I think there's a lot of confusion about this. From what I understand, and I think this was in the Observer Newsletter, I heard it from somebody else, they did not stream this because it's no people gate. It's like the March 8th Corkin was always supposed to be the start of a new like live streaming on YouTube project by Bushy Road. Basically, like this is their next phase. One of the things they're doing to try to grow the company is they're they're doing live streaming on YouTube. And you know, it just so happened that it happened to be the fucking no people gate show because we have a coronavirus outbreak. But they were always gonna stream this show, whether there was a virus or not. And it sounds like this is going to be a regular thing going forward. I don't know if it's going to be once a month or, you know, every other month or something, but it, I, it does sound like they're going to keep doing this. So that that is great news. And, you know, I think a lot of people have waited a long time to be able to watch Stardom Live instead of, you know, getting spoiled and having to wait for it to show up in Stardom World. So that is definitely a good thing. On the other hand, I did I, this show, I think, does realize how important those subtitled promos and those subtitle things mm. are. Because, that's true yeah the, um watching spoiled is annoying um ideally you try and get a turnaround to where the you'd get ideally you get something like the english update that would let you know what's going on as soon as it's happening but yeah. um ideally you'd, and as there has been for stardom until very recently um much quicker turnaround on the big main event matches on stardom world so along with doing things live I, they've always talked if it wanted to do live streams um I will reason. say, I will say, if you study a, a tiny bit of Japanese and then just kind of guess from there, it's not that hard to figure out what's going on. I mean, I mean they're usually pointing and stuff. It's not. Oh yeah. It's not like it's not like some of these promotions where you need to you, you need the language to understand. It's very simple. Yeah, but it I, it does help sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so the show opened with the sixteen woman special time difference battle royal. So this is basically the. Stardom Rambo is the best way you could describe it for a new, a newcomer. Um, your first, I'm just going to go through the participants and we'll, I'll note, you can jump in whenever you want to talk about it. Uh, it was Death Yama and Saya Ida starting out. Uh, the third wrestler was Azumi, who is one of the best wrestlers in the world, in my opinion. And Azumi pinned Ida with a flash pin. Number four was Moe Nakanishi in a mask. And like, this was so funny because I, you know, I was watching this live, um, you know, with the the voice of the wrestling Slack, you know, just going through that, and like it became very obvious that nobody else in the Slack has watched like early two thousands All Japan Women's, which I understand is not exactly like 
you know, a peak era of, uh, you know, of the company or anything, but I'll, like, but I'll, I'll be honest, it's not something I've seen a whole lot of either. So yeah, so I, no, I that's fine. The name, but. but but like I was marking out for her, and I was like, you know, for people who don't know who she is, um, you know, she was like one of the last big stars of All Japan Women's Women's before the company closed, and you know, she was uh, originally Nanai Takahashi's like tag partner. That that you know, Nanai is obviously still around and running Seedling, so. You know, they have like a lot of big tag matches, like with, uh, you know, they with actually with a team who one of their members was, you know, on the show later that night, actually, or later in this match, I mean, which yeah, we'll get to in a second. But like, but yeah, they had some amazing matches back in the day, um, you know, both as, you know, sometimes they would even be like not even as part. I'm going through the her history now to see if I can yeah. find anything that like stands out in my mind. But mostly, you know, what, what stands out is just like they, they were like, there was like this cage match. I want to say it was like a cage tag match, and maybe that's one thing. Yeah, I think it's uh this maybe it's a six woman match. I just found November twenty third, where it's like uh, Kaoru Ito, Moe Nakanishi, and Anai Takahashi against LCO, Etsukamita, and Mima Shimoda, and uh, uh, Kumiko Maikawa. I remember that match very well, and that match is fucking awesome. So. Uh, I think that might be online somewhere as well. Yeah, so d- definitely, definitely check that one out if you haven't seen it. Steel Cade's Death Match, November twenty third, two thousand. Uh, that one I remember watching very early on in my like Japanese wrestling fandom. Um, so you know, I, I hope that's the match I'm thinking of. It's been a very long time, but but yeah, I mean, I she was one of the wrestlers I saw very because I that's like around when I was getting into Japanese wrestling, like in 2002, 2003. So, you know, it wasn't that old, you know, it was from a couple of years before that. Um, but yeah, so she, I marked out for her. Yeah. Nobody else in Slack cared. <laughs> Nobody else knows who she is. Cause she, you know, she retired in 2005. So she, she, she did a match about five years ago, I think. So yeah, I'm going to go through it yeah. real quickly. So 2005, she retired on January 7th uh, at her retirement show. She lost in Nai Takahashi. And she also did another, uh, it was Kendo Kashin and Momo Nakanishi versus Ebisan and Ebiko. So that was kind of funny. Um, and then 2011, she did an exhibition in Ice Ribbon against Emi Sakura. And 2014, she came back for a tag match with Nanai Takahashi against uh, Natsuki Tayo and Miho Wakizawa, which was uh, only a five-minute time limit draw, though. So seeing her come out here and do an entire 24-minute battle world was you know, pretty crazy. So I, She looked I, great! Oh, yeah, she was fantastic. <laughs> like, I, I, when she came in, I thought it was going to be one of those things that you sometimes get in these things, where an old retired person comes back, does some comedy spots, and gets eliminated quickly. And then she goes and she does a, a, a Hurricane Rana to, to uh, beat um, Yonagama, and it's like, wow! It's like, fantastic! Yeah, I mean, she um, looked awesome, honestly. I, I do wonder if, when you get things like this, someone who's quite clearly still got it, whether does it become a long-term thing? Is it is she a semi-regular person who'll come back every so often? Or is yeah, it just really I mean, done? That's what I was hoping. I would love to see her keep coming back and be like uh, Stardom's resident like veteran guest star. Because, yeah, that was uh, she was awesome here, and I thought she really looked great. And, yeah, you know, I mentioned that, that six-woman tag cage match and you know Mima Shimoda being later and I thought it was really funny when they did spots together and stuff um, five was Ru- uh, Ruaka six was Rina, seven was Tina Again, um, that was um, Ruaka's return from yet another injury um, yes which 
I do worry about her sometimes, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So eight was Captain Stardom, who was also Saida. Uh, you know, she had gotten eliminated at that point. And they all went like crazy trying to unmask her in the ropes, yeah. I guess, because they knew who it was. They wanted to prove <laughs> that she was coming back in. And yeah. it's like, wow, they really hate masked wrestlers in this match because uh, uh, Momoe had come in with a mask yeah. as well. And they had immediately tried to unmask, and they immediately unmasked her. So that was funny. When Starlight Kid came in, I was wondering if they did the same thing again. That's just how she yes! did I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, I hope they don't go for Starlight because Starlight Kid was nine. And I was like, I hope they don't go for her mask too. Uh, Tem was Layla Hurst, who uh, nobody in the Slack chat knew that she was in a Tokyo Cyber Squad, which I thought was funny. But I, I, uh, I, I didn't know she was still in Japan, to be honest. I thought that she left a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, well, she, she stayed, I guess. Uh, 11 was Konami. 12 was Tom Nakano. Um, this was where Momoi did her spanking spot. So, like, there was a big head scissors chain across the entire ring, and uh, Momoi, like, smacked every one of the ass, including the referee. Oh, that was funny. Uh, 13 was Natsu uh, Sumari, and she, like, sprayed them all with disinfectant, right? And then drooled water in all of them. And I'm pretty sure Liger on commentary was, like, questioning the wisdom of that during a coronavirus outbreak <laughs> and the other commentator i think said something like it's okay because it's no people gate so, <laughs> so that was funny um you know this is what really went crazy with the flash pen eliminations uh 14 with mima shimoda uh weiger really got into yelling for the bronco buster from natsu I thought that you, was funny. You, you've skipped over the um, the important, the most important thing in this match, which was the debut of Saya Kamatani's new Queen's Quest mask. Oh, that's true. Wait, did I get? Oh, did uh, I skip Saya? She, she was before uh, Mima, I believe. Oh, did I fuck it? Yeah. No, I think oh. she's. Oh, on my oh you're right. You're right. I missed one. Okay, yeah, Saya Kamatani's uh, tall Saya got her, uh, you know, her big her Queen's Quest mask. I thought she get like new gear. You know, to match them better, but I guess not. I, I wonder if that's going to be something that happens in a in, in a month or so because it took yeah. it, it, it took Saki Kashima to get two months basically to get her new gear, and it took Utami a while too when she joined Queen Squares. Now I think yeah. about it. So, so who knows? I mean, this is the this is the new Queen's Quest, so maybe not. And the next one, the final wrestler that entered was a super strong Starlight Machine, uh, Sayida, and her third gimmick. So. Doing Mick Foley in the 90, yeah. 1998 Rumble, which was really funny. Uh, yeah, super strong Starlight Machine. The people Liger loved this, which I can't really blame him. Um, but yeah, and this and this was the match. Yeah, Liger looked like he was having a great time the entire night. Um, this this to me is when the match got like really good at this point. Like it was mostly comedy, but yeah. at this point, but then at like at the, they all went like crazy at this point. Like we really got like some really great action uh, with Konami and Tam. Um, you know, Tom ended up she broke up. She basically ends up eliminating Konami, and then everybody ran on Mima Shimoda's back, <laughs> which looked yeah. awful for her. Like this woman's not a young youngster here. Um, good night express. Yes. Basically, that's true. Uh, Momoi, she saved Mima from the standing shooting star press from Saya, and they had a big hug, which again is funny because they used to try to kill each other. Um, but yeah, I, I, the, at the end of this, we got the uh, the devil windmill suplex from uh, the super strong starlight machine, uh, and she basically won the match at that point. But uh, and Ken Momoi, um, she. When she eliminates Starlight Kids. I can't remember. This is this is probably much earlier in the match. Thinking about it, but she actually 
did a really good moonsault. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Which is actually, again, I, I uh, when it comes to matches like this, I tend to look at certain people who are interesting and then ignore everything else for some reason. And I thought that she, that that, that really surprised me, I think. I thought it was really, really good. And I thought she, again, was really good. This was a really fun match. Yeah. I also liked the Azumi, like, double cross Momo at the end. Like, she told her to go to the top and then, like, pushed her yeah. off. It's like, do not trust that little, nope. little, little hellcat. I don't know what else to call her. <laughs> I mean, she's like, freaking, she always double crosses people. She's uh, um, and, and, uh, don't uh, trust Azumi. DTA, don't trust Azumi. If you, if you want perfect, if you want a perfect example of that, I need to check out Kigetsu's retirement show where um, she and Mace Ruga have fun, totally embarrassing Kaho Kobayashi. <laughs> I just want to, I'm going to get that over as a catchphrase now. DTA, <laughs> don't trust Azumi. Uh, yeah, so like you said, this is really fun. I, I had a great time with it. So it went a little long, maybe twenty four twenty, but I, it it didn't like it didn't feel that long, honestly. So good, really good opener. It's a, the perfect sort of match to get when you're still half asleep trying to watch it at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, match number two. So basically, Natsuka Tor was supposed to challenge uh, Arisa Hoshiki for the Wonder starting title on this show, but it did not happen because uh, Hoshiki has like a, a neck injury. So I hope she gets better soon. Uh, instead, we got Tora facing the winner of this battle royal, which was, of course, uh, the super strong star, star, not starter machine. Isn't it star Starlight's machine? Yeah, they, they're wrong on pure love. How dare you? Anyway, super strong <laughs> starlight machine. Uh, this was a, you know, a short little match, mostly a, a squash for yeah. Tora, but you know, it was fine while it lasted. Except, uh, Sort of, uh, I, I'm guessing it's more, it's just, you know, not getting Natsuko a win very quickly against someone who, you know, a mask thing that doesn't really matter um, to set up, um, set up, I guess, her chance for the white belt at some point. Although, considering that the Cinderella tournament's coming up and then it's Oto Ward, and then we already think we know what the Oto Ward main event is, who knows when that happens. What do you think the Oda War Band event is? I am Mayu, Mayu Takumi. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then, <laughs> unless, I mean, you could easily you could easily have Natsuko win the, win the Cinderella tournament, or you could find another way of making the Cinderella tournament work, but we'll see. Because um, it's a bit sad. I, I, as a show, I think this was... It's, it's a fun show. It's probably the weakest Stardom Korokin since at least the Bushiro Takeover. Which isn't mm. saying a bad thing about this show, it's saying very good things about the other shows. And yeah. I think that not having the, the Natsuko Tora Risoski match made the thing noticeably worse because it meant all of the matches above this were really good, but you could have done, I think, with another really big single title match. Yeah, I agree. So, match number three was the Tokyo Cyber Squad versus, how do you say, Donald Del Monte? Donatel Mundo. Special tag match. Hane Kimura and Jungle Kiona defeating Julia and Micah in 1310. Uh, Jungle with the Jungle Buster on Micah. Um, this was really good. I mean, I, I was really looking forward to this one and it, it really lived up to my expectations. It was a very stiff match, especially when Hana and Julia started like exchanging big boots. And, uh, you know, Kiona, you know, Jungle Kiona's selling is always really good, but like, her selling of like the arm bar from Micah was just pretty incredible, honestly. But that really took the match to another level for me. One thing about this, especially with regards to Micah, that was her 23rd match. Yeah. It's like she is like obscenely good for someone with that little experience, especially I mean, 
the one thing about her is that she, to me, she still works a little light when she's not doing yeah. the judo throws. And it's very noticeable sometimes. But like you yeah. said, for someone who's only 23 matches into her career, she's pretty damn good. She'll, um, she'll get there at some point. I think part of the problem is that like she's a very... Uh, she's a very big lady, and like you know, yeah. she looks like she could snap these other women in half sometimes. And like you know, maybe she's a little scared to do it, really. But uh, you know, I think she needs to lay it in a little more when she's not doing the judo throws. And again, I think um, Julia is someone who, when she first went to stardom, I think people were rather skeptical, especially early on, especially after that match I had with Hazuki, which was not very good. Um, but been a massive turnaround really since that first Hanakimura match because they have really good chemistry with each other they hit each other very hard which is always very helpful and it feels like the sort of rivalry that you could have go on for months and no one would lose anything because of it yeah um you know when Maika being Maika working with people, you know, especially people of John Kiona's level, and then teaming with Siri, I think for her, it's only going to be very good. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Siri obviously from not an identical background, but another shit background, perhaps that might help in terms of adapting to, to pro wrestling. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. So this was a really good match. Um, I, I thought it was like. The, end, the, the the finishing stretch really elevated for me. I went three and three quarters. Really good match. Really one I enjoyed a lot. Um, you know, lived up to the expectations I had going in. Um, match number four for the Goddesses of Stardom tag team titles. B. Priestley and Jamie Hayter defeating Momo Watanabe and Utami Hayashishida in 1345. Uh, B. used the Queen's Landing on Momo for their first defense of the titles. Um so this is one like it's again. It was a little slow to start, but really got great by the end. And like you know, I'm not always the biggest fan of B. I do like Jamie a lot. Um, obviously, Momo and Utami are two of my favorite wrestlers in any promotion. Um, but I thought they really you know really looked good here. Um, it picked up for me when Momo like really started beating the crap out of B with kicks and like this like sit down Uranagi that just looked nasty and like. You know, at that point of the match, it really went to another level. Um, you know, the the finishing stretch again, where Momo had to like, she took, she kept like surviving all this crazy stretch. Um, you know, and but then finally, she takes the common go away. The that lariat knee combo thing that they do, I don't know if they have a name for that yet, but it looks, it does look really good. And then finally, the ocean, the ocean cyclone suplex that she calls the Queen's Landing. Um, you know, again, little slow to start, but really great by the end. I went three and three quarters in this as well. Um, you know, I think this this one actually exceeded my expectations because I wasn't really sure what to expect of it, and I thought I mean, they really both teams really delivered here. The other two matches they've had were not that great. They had a, yeah. had a tag on a Shikiba show a couple of weeks ago that was not the best. But compared to that, I mean, I admittedly was a bit distracted doing this because I was having my breakfast at the time, but. Um, and I meant to go back and rewatch it and then ran out of time because watching Tokyo Joshi instead. But um, the closing stretch, especially, is what I really saw. And that was, like you said, really good. And um, that, that B. Priestley and Jimmy Hitter team could. Um, I, I, I'm doing my normal thing, but in job interviews, I'm forgetting what I was going to say. And <laughs> <laughs> um, um, that B and Jamie team are really good and i think you'll be priestly someone who 
a lot of people, including me, were negative on as Stardom World Champion. But this is the best spot for her, is teaming with someone who complements her very well, but also works slightly differently in an environment where the weaknesses that B still has aren't as obvious. And it really works, I think. Yeah. Um, afterwards, Saya Kamatani came out and wanted to challenge for the belt for the Utami. And I am all in on the, as Kelly, Kelly and Harass from Voice of Wrestling in the, uh, in the Slack called them the Joshi Twin Towers. And I am all in on Utami and, uh, and Tall Saya winning these belts. I hope, so I hope that happens. I think I think it might go to Mo- I think they might be a bit crafty with this and then have Saya lose and then do Momo and Izumi winning. But oh, maybe they could do that. I I can see them go either way. We they're quite clearly pushing Saya to the moon. Yeah, uh, I mean, and- as they should. She's uh, she's got a lot of in ring charisma already. Even if she yep. it's not it's not all there yet for as far as like her oh. ring work, but I think it'll get there. Yeah, it's, she's been wrestling for uh, like six months. Yeah. Like you, you sometimes see with a lot of these people, um, like you know, like Micah and Saya, you see some people who post some really negative things, quite some quite negative things about them, and you just feel like post being like they've been wrestling for like six months and have not done that many matches. They're already better than most of the people around. Yeah, it's you know, people are very silly. That's all. <laughs> uh, the main event, the lumberjack match. Maya Iwatani defeating Saki Kashima in 1743 with a moonsault press. Um, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this because it was very – I have a lot of thoughts on it, and it's very all over the place. I mean, the early part of the match, I did not like it all. Um, you know, Saki – Saki, like, as far as her as a heel, you know, I, I still, I'm still i still not really convinced. And I, she doesn't come off as a natural heel to me. She doesn't have, like, that uh, – I don't know, like that bad girl quality that I think you need to do to be to have, be an effective Joshi heel. She looks too much like she's playing at it to me, so that that hurts her a little bit. And I wish they had, um, I don't know, I wish they had gone more, leaned more into like a mirror universe uh, Mayu thing, you know? Like I wish they because they're they, they have similar uh, looks and similar body types, and you know they were tag partners. Like if it was me booking, I would have had her do more like like steal Mayu's moves and stuff and really lean into that, which they didn't really do. But as far as like the match itself, like once they got past the early portion where, you know, I thought it was chaotic in a bad way when everybody was brawling on the floor, like they, the cameraman was having a hard time keeping up with it all. And just, you know, the, the floor brawling, this was the only time where I feel like it missed a crowd, like the crowd running out of the way would have helped this match a lot. Whereas like, you know, the last two matches, I was shocked how little I missed the crowd. I don't know if it's the announcers and the the girls cheering at ringside really like made up for it, but like I didn't even notice that there wasn't a crowd a lot of the time, which was uh, impressive. Here in this match, I missed the crowd. Um, See, I, I didn't get that with the crowd brawling. I thought I, so. I was thinking about this, and I admittedly I don't go out my way to watch lumberjack matches because nine times out of ten they're terrible. But this could be one of the best I've seen. I thought I thought well, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna, I was about to get into like where it turns for me. Yeah. Um, once they get up into the seats, it gets really good. Um, you know, Mayu does that crazy dive off the cork and entryway, you know, like the entryway into the oranges, and then she takes that ridiculous like rolling bump down the cork and staircase. Um, and then she she gives her the fucking running three to the floor Ooh. on the crowd of lumberjacks. I mean, look, that is a crazier spot than you're going to see on most men's shows. So, like, 
I, I, I was, I jumped at my seat watching that. That was incredible. Yeah. It was. And like these kind of spots are the kind of things where I, this is like what was running through my mind when I saw that. I'm like, the, like it really, nothing, few things like, and I've said this before on the show, few things piss me off more in wrestling discourse today than people who don't watch Joshi watching like an AEW match with a Joshi in it and deciding, fucking Joshi is terrible now. Uh, look at this. The girls aren't doing anything interesting. And it's like, you don't actually watch Joshi. You don't know what the fuck Joshi is based on watching a fucking eight minute match on dynamite that happens to have a Joshi wrestler in it. So uh, okay. shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. That's my message to the people who do that. Anyway. I, th- I think you'll find that, um, that, that Sadie Gibbs versus Yuka Sakazaki is the definition of Joshi. <laughs> and it's so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. It really is dumb. It would be like me seeing a, I don't know, like seeing a match with a, a, an American woman in Joshi and being like, well, I don't like this one, this one lady, so all of American women's wrestling fucking sucks. I wouldn't do that because I I have no idea if American women wrestling is good or not. I don't fucking watch it. So I wouldn't come on this podcast and tell you it's good or not because I saw, I don't know, some fucking woman in a Joshi match that wasn't good. That's stupid. So, hey, if you're out there doing that, shut the fuck up. Anyway. Uh, back to back to his actual match. Uh, it really picked up. Like they were once you're back in the ring, like they were just like killing each other. Um, the only thing that really kind of sucked in towards the, in the the uh, the stretch run was like they blew they blew a ref bump spot and they and nuts in uh what's her name Natsu kind of didn't do the chair shot correctly. But I mean, those are minor complaints I think compared to like how great everything towards the end of this match was. Um, I mean, I didn't notice that. So I didn't. I didn't notice that. So perhaps, perhaps that shows I'm not paying attention. Perhaps it shows though that it got past lots of people, which is yeah. enough. Um, you know, there's a dragon suplex, but Tor pulled the ref out, and then Mayu finally won at the end. I don't know. This was tough to write for me. If if the early portion of the match wasn't uh, like kind of eh, and if the you know everything at the towards the end of the match. You know, if they didn't have those little two minor boxes towards the end of the match, I could have gone way higher, maybe even like four and a half. But I ultimately decided to go four stars flat. So a really great match. Definitely recommend watching it along with the two previous tag matches. But uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's how I ended up rating it. I had a hard time at this one, but really awesome. Really fun girl. I mean, I, I prob- I'm not as high on it as any other stardom match this year. I don't do star ratings, so I shan't throw a number out. But um for me, the, the chaos at the start, I think, helped. I, I don't know why, but for me, it just, I think it just helped show, you know, it helped add just how much dislike and hatred there was in this, which is a big part of the thing building up to it. Um, and it was chaotic, but you still got the idea of what was going on. And I think that that's the more important thing. Yeah. Admittedly, it did get a lot better when they were on the stairs and it was slightly more focused. One thing I liked about the finish was that in lots of matches like this, you'll get you'll do the ref pulls out and it'll go on for five minutes more and they'll trade big moves. But they didn't do that here. You know, Saki, I don't think, did anything after that dragon suplex. Which is I think how it should have gone, because that's Mayu's big finishing move. That kills everyone. So she the the ref the interference to stop the count didn't actually matter. And I really like that. I don't know why. It's just little things like that is what I, I think is really good. And you know, it, it 
if they'd gone on longer, it would have been too long. I think that was the perfect length of time for this match to be. And it was it was great. And this whole show was really good. Yeah. So I definitely agree. It was a really good show. Um, you know, I think a great introduction if you're a newer fan. And I hope some of the people who checked it out will watch more Stardom because it's been a it's they've been a really great promotion in the early part of this year. And we'll see. You know, they I, I like the re- I liked their year a lot last year too, especially the second half. But uh, in- injecting the Bushi Road funds has, you know, just let them bring in more outsiders and more freelancers, and it's just made everything seem a lot more exciting. Look at their show; just um, they had the production values on their show are significantly higher than Stardom was even this time last year. You know, oh, yeah. with the admittedly perhaps to the big extreme, they quite clearly had, had bought a smoke machine that was far too big. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like you had the lighting was a lot better. The smoke, you know, you had the smoke machine, which I think added to a lot of the the entrances. It made the show feel bigger. Yeah, even I mean, though there was no is, one there. This comes, this comes off as like a fucking like I don't know what to, like a major league production now. Yeah. Which not that old Stardom didn't come off as a you know old Stardom came off as like more indie, which can be fine. I mean, I'm not. I watch a lot of indie promotions. I'm not knocking it, but this came off like a major league promotion. Like this now feels like you know the top women's company in yeah. you know, probably in the world, I guess. I don't know what else would even, you know, be close. Uh, so. Nothing. I mean, I'm trying to think of what the best, <laughs> what the biggest women's company outside of Japan would be. And you're probably talking about maybe Eve. And yeah. they run, they run a building that they run like 150 people every month. Yeah. So it's what, what was interesting is also the product, a lot of the production to me uh, reminded me weirdly, not of another big company. It reminded me a lot of Marvelous, which is my favorite promotion oh, yeah. for a minute. And what was different though is that when Marvelous do these, like, you know, they do, they have smoke machines everywhere and big, massive video displays and stuff. But they have this air of incompetence about it, which is actually really charming. <laughs> like, they'll do like um, these big video, um, like these video, big videos type of each show, and they'll have English in it, but it'll always be slightly wrong. And, <laughs> you know, they have like their, their entrance videos are, you know, very dramatic and very overproduced and quite clearly produced by, you know, people at well, a lot of the wrestlers are involved in lots of the graphic design and stuff they do and you can tell because it's, it's not quite professional but in a really charming way this felt like a very professional version of that in that it was they put a lot of effort into production values and quite clearly thought about what they wanted to do and put a lot of effort and a lot of passion in just it was done by professionals so it looked better oh, there you go so I, I yeah definitely looked uh definitely looked pretty nice so that's stardom, and let's move over now to DDT. Um, what we can blow right through the show because honestly, it was a pretty short show, and there really wasn't a lot to it. I only watched the so the one I'm talking about is the March first show. It's the only one I watched of so, the uh, recent. I watched, so I watched the March first and the March third, but I've absolutely I've not much to say about the undercards in most of them. I yeah. do a, I do have a bit about um, the main event of. The other show which was um the chris brooks royce chambers match but it's more that's more to talk we can probably bring that in when we talk about the main event of the first show okay so this is from the tokyo ochinam ochanomizu i'm probably butchering that ochanomizu dojo um which is like if you if you know anything about tokyo geography which you know i found it, I, I do find that pretty interesting it's like to the west of akiba it doesn't look like it's that far honestly i think it's like let's see is it like one stop? Yeah, I think it's one stop from uh, from Akiba on the Chosobu line. So very close to uh, 
they can always go check go uh, go to the Gundam Cafe anytime they want, I guess, from uh, the the dojo in uh, over in uh, Ochinomizu. But yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been over there. Honestly, I don't think I had any reason to go check out that area. But uh, that's where the that apparently is where the uh, the DT dojo is. Um, as far as the show, so like the, if you've never seen one of these dojo shows before, because they have run dojo shows before this. Uh, coronavirus outbreak they you know it's a it's a very plain looking building it's just like this this little warehouse looking building with these four windows above the ring and it's a very different vibe from a empty corican hall like this feels like you're watching almost like you mentioned it before like an nwh style studio show especially since they have those um you know they have the commentary table set up right next to the ring and then the wrestlers go over there after each match and like do a little promo which I is obviously where DDT English update will come very much in handy if you want to know what they're saying. Which he I, was doing a great job as always at DDT Pro underscore ENG. But uh, I got more of that vibe with Tokyo Joshi because um, what actually happened to the difference was was that in DDT it was more of a in the DDT show it was more of a traditional interview where like you had people ask you know people asking questions and they did a you know probe to the camera. Well, in Tokyo Joshi, you went to the commentary table and it was a bit of a more of a dialogue, which is more right. what you get in those shows. Which is that was the main difference. Also, they didn't do entrance music on the Tokyo Joshi show. But they did DDT. They done DDT. Yeah. It just yeah. I don't know why, because you think entrance music would make it you know, feel better and feel more like an actual show. But I actually preferred it without it for some reason. Yeah, because you just hit the ring and you're right back in the next match. But yeah. uh, and you still got to hear the music when they won too. So yeah. All right. So let's see. Um, let's start with the opener here. I'm going to blow through these quick because they're mostly pretty quick matches. Uh, Akito beat Hideki Okatani with a crab hold in 504. Uh, this was an exhibition match. His Okatani is a uh, trainee, and this is, you know, he didn't have any music or gear because it's not his official debut yet. Uh, it's pretty much a squash for Akito, as you'd expect. And the, the next day, they did the same match again, and they did my favorite um, slightly cheeky finish where um, Akito won after repeated lateral press attempts, which <laughs> is the spot that you get in every match, and it never pins anyone. But so when it does, I get really excited for some reason. Yeah, I, I love it when that, when that happens. Here. That's, a great, that's a good um, point. You get it. It's quite a, quite, it's quite a common finish. Um, Mikoto Shindo, um, Ajoshi rookie does it, and I always get really excited when she does it because you, know, you, you put lots of effort into it, so you know, it, it working would make sense. Um, uh, yeah. Match number two, a three-way match. Makoto Oishi defeated Yukio Naya and Keigo Nakamura, another recent trainee, uh, when Makoto pinned Nakamura with the Luminous Press in 723. This was a very basic big guy beats up two little guys match, so not a ton to say other than that. And the studio wrestling vibe makes me really want to get a DDT 80s tribute show where it's just a studio show with all squash matches and Keigo Nakamura is the jobber in all of them. <laughs> Oh, he's very good. He's very good at this already. So yeah. maybe that's his calling. Uh, match three was Eruption versus Gambare Wrestling. Uh, Kashisada Higuchi, Yukio Sakaguchi, and Saki Akai defeating Keisuke Ishii, Yumihito Imanari, and Shota. Uh, Shota, we should mention, will also be on all the Tokyo Joshi shows as a commentator, which I thought he did a great job, actually. Yeah. It sounded very into it. Um, uh, but yeah, Saki, oh, sorry. Were we, um, yeah, I believe he was the ring announcer on the, the show today. Yes, yeah, Namba was, was there. He was good at that as well. Uh, yeah, sure. Sakaguchi submitted Imanari with a ninja choke in 855 in this match. 
a fun little match. Uh, I like the Gambari team a lot. You know, obviously Ishii is like a criminally underrated wrestler, but then I, I like even Nori a lot too. I don't know. He's like got that underdog kind of vibe. And I think he's better than you would expect a part-time wrestler who also is like the full-time video guy to be. So he's, you know, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, I, um, Eruption have some really creative tag team stuff, which I really like. Especially yeah. um, Higuchi basically just using Sakikai as a weapon. Yeah. We talked about that a lot for last week's, or two weeks ago, whatever week was the Korokin. Yeah. And yeah, Saki, Saki is great, and this whole unit is great. So, very into that as well. Uh, match number four. This time it was uh, Chris Brooks and Maki Ito, the Neo Ito Respect Army, defeating Antonio Honda and Miyu Yamashita when Brooks submitted Honda with the Octopus Stretch in 1041. Uh, this was a real fun match. Um, first of all, this was the the ongoing saga of Maki uh, <laughs> crying, which we're talking about on Tokyo Jersey too. But she basically got mad and started crying because Brooks was like too busy taunting their opponents to continue the dance. But this turned out to be a ruse so she could headbutt Honda and they could get the jump on them. But it didn't help her out for long though because the Mega Ace took over on her. So, um, and then I, I did put a note here. I love when Honda, I mean, he's he's very well known as a comedy guy, obviously, but he's, again, one of these comedy guys that's like surprisingly good at what he when he actually wrestles. And he was like pulling out his fancy arm drags and stuff in this match, which I enjoyed a lot. It, um, it, it does feel like he gets, when he's teaming with Miu, he does seem to, I, I don't know if it's a motivation thing or if it's a, I, you know, this is, a, this is a bigger match for me. I've got to, you know, I can't just do just the comedy stuff. It does seem like all of his mixed tags I've seen have been really fun. And a lot of it is yeah. because he pulls out stuff that he perhaps wouldn't normally do if this was any other random match. Yeah. Um, we had Maki the leg biter in this match. And uh, we also have the wet willies, which seem extra gross here in coronavirus season. Um, yeah, and then Mi- yeah, that's true. So may, you hit the, may you hit the Sankakugari on Brooks after dodging his double stomp. That, that was like the spot of the match. That was awesome. And I think it was Shota who yelled it like Sankaku Gary, like he was so excited. Uh, but yeah, this this was great. I went three and a quarter. Very very fun little match here, and definitely the highlight so far. One thing I like about Brooks in all these matches because he did it um, at Ultimate Party and he does it in some lots of his UK stuff is that there's this spot you see where like it's a woman in a match against a man, and the man is like, "Oh, you're a woman. You're not a problem." And sometimes it comes across as a wee bit sexist and a wee bit bad but he manages to make it work for some reason and i think it's because he's perfectly fine being made a fool of because yeah the, sh- the show before it was him with um saki akai and he did the, the thing he does where he's like oh we'll do a test of strength i'm very tall you can't reach me and then saki Kai grabs him and he sells it as like oh my god she actually is quite tall <laughs> which i think is, yeah. you, you sort of got that here as well with um with with miyu and um later on um Chris, you know, challenged Miu for uh, the Universal Championship, which will probably, sadly, never happen. I think that'd be a, a really fun singles match. But yeah, um, after after saying he wanted to um, eat all of Antonio Honda's guts, <laughs> then we had the main event disaster box against All Out. Uh, first, it ended with Kanosuke Takashita, Shuma Katsumata, Yuki Ito, and Royce Chambers <laughs> defeating Hiroshima. Naomi Yoshimura, Torawashi, and Kazuki Hirata when Takashita pinned Hirata with a brain buster in 29 seconds. Uh, we got the the old immediate restart. Like uh, I guess Hirata is playing the role of a uh, you know 
God, what, why am I suddenly blanking? Stalker Ichikawa <laughs> in this match. Um, but yeah, so basically, the the what's his name freaked out. Uh, um, God. Royce Chambers? Not Royce Chambers. No, I'm saying when he got pinned. Pinned. Um, uh, Imabayashi. He was like, yeah, oh yeah, know, oh yeah. Sorry, yeah. He like freaked out and told him to restart the match because they were when they started hitting the showers. Um, but yeah, like the the once they restarted it, it went twelve oh two. Chambers pinned here after the Rolls Royce, and it, like I said, in twelve oh two. This was pretty fun, you know. The um, it was a good mix of uh, <laughs> it was like a good mix of like serious wrestling and the link some comedy stuff. Like the, I have a screenshot of uh, Owashi at one point. Basically, here he he's saying, "Don't tag in here at the, don't tag in here at the." He's like on the floor, and they tag in here at a. And he turns around and just looks directly into the camera and like stares into our souls and like utter disgust and just like resignment to their fate while, while here it says quote unquote running wild. It was just like the longest stare and it worked perfect. So it was a great image of uh, Awashi. I, I tweeted that because it was so funny of him just staring into all of our souls about it. Uh, but yeah, this was, and he just walks away when Takashita lariats him down. But yeah, this was really fun again, like a three and a quarter star main event. I, I had a good time, enjoyed myself. Um, what do you think, what do you think about, um, about Chambers? I, he didn't really make a deep impression on me in this match. I don't know. He, he seemed fine. I mean, apparently I saw on Twitter, he's 19, which is crazy. Um, he's like ridiculously young. Um, yeah. The single match the next night, I'm not going to say it was a, a, a classic that you definitely go out your way to see, but you know, in this in this um, pluralist dearth of interesting things, it might be worth going to watch. Um, yeah. You know, a hard spot to put a guy in first match in Japan um, in front of no fans, but I'm guessing yeah. you know um, he did he did a crazy um, Sasuke special um, off the apron onto the floor onto Brooks. It was um, and a bunch of other just really crazy stuff. He's got lots of he's got the athletic side of it down. It's just again the other bits that he needs to get, and there's probably nowhere better to to get them than DDT. Yeah. So that was a fun show. Um, let's move over now to Tokyo Joshi, which I watched two of their empty arena shows, and they were both like special tournament type shows which made it even more exciting the first one was the genghis khan kirishima presents haru beautiful one day tournament on march 1st um so this was basically the winner was trying to get a coupon for dinner <laughs> that's what they were battling a meal ticket provided by the show sponsor which is a a like a um, mongolian barbecue place that a lot of them like that's very close to cork and hall so it was, it was impressive they got a sponsor that fast but uh that's where everybody's fighting over here. So if you didn't see the bracket, the bracket was very wacky. Where like, um, you know, some some wrestlers would right, go right to round two. Some wrestlers who won round one would go to right to round three, uh, the quarterfinals. Um, some wrestlers had to win, win in both rounds, rounds one and two, to get to the quarterfinals. Very unfair for them. And then, uh, you know, at that point, then it became more normal. But yeah, very very wacky looking bracket for the. The rules, oh, yeah, the rules. Yeah, so the first, the first three rounds, the round one, round two, and the quarterfinals, you're talking a two-count fall to win with a five-minute time limit. And if they go to a tie, they go to the time limit, we go to the tiebreaker of Junkin. So it's rock, paper, scissors. We don't know what that is. So, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, we'll get to the rules the other rounds when we get to them, basically. I have them all written down in order. So 
but yeah, that was the the rules for the first three rounds. So it begins with uh, so if you've never seen these two count fall matches, by the way, which I I've, I've seen them for years because Dragon Gate used to do them a lot too back um, you know like like ten years ago. I feel like they used to be able to Dragon Gate a bunch. I don't know if they still are because I've, I've watched a lot of Dragon Gate lately. But uh, but yeah, two count falls. It's really fun. <laughs> I mean, like if you've never seen it, you know, people trying to kick out of these two counts. Uh, it's quite fun, and you know, you, you also have one count falls at one point too, and which is. You know, later on with the other tiebreaker and that's even crazier so uh I, um i wish more tournaments knockout tournaments that had time limits did one count fall tiebreakers rather than yeah. just the lazy the lazy eliminate both people thing because it, it's a lot yeah. more interesting and they do they do that a lot in the uh in the the det big japan um the, the tag tournament they do that as a tiebreaker yeah. a lot so all right so began with maki ito beating suzume with a ddt in 301 uh this is where maki ito cried because there's no one to answer her he's the cutest in the world call and almost cost her but uh she did pick up the win in the end um it's a, a big storyline they, they, they come back to that later on yeah uh match two was rika tatsumi beating palm harajuku with the twist of fate in 230 i remember these are all two counts by the yeah. way I think one thing I thought was quite interesting because there's not much to talk about in specific is um, these first few rounds, because they're two count fall matches, you had signatures winning matches rather than pure finishers, which I think is right. a good thing. That would definitely make sense. Um, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, match three Hyper Masao beat Mirai Mayumi with a schoolboy in 332. So Masao blinds her with a spray can and then brings a dummy in the ring. The poor blinded Mirai starts assaulting the dummy and putting it in holds. And for some reason, Masao takes over as ref during this. I don't know why exactly. And then she, of course, rolls up the blinded Mirai for the win. So first of all, how the hell Mirai was like putting in putting this dummy in all these yeah. holds and couldn't tell it was a dummy is uh, one of life's great um, mysteries. What what we now need is the natural follow-up match to this, which is Mirai Miyumi versus Dummy. <laughs> That's true. Uh, match four was Miyu Watanabe beating Haruna Neko with the Canadian backbreaker in 349. Uh, I did note that Neko was, Neko, I should say, is so short that she was able to duck Miyu's like back elbows from the rear waist lock without like barely moving. <laughs> like she moved like the tidiest amount to duck it. It was good. And th- I thought this was the best actual match up to this point with Miyu just being, you know, the total powerhouse and tossing Neko around. It was very fun. So I, I, You also had some, the, the, admittedly, the first bit of this match, it probably only meant 30 seconds. I, uh, I noticed that, you know, you've got Miyu Watanabe, who's someone who isn't someone who's interested in pro wrestling until she got into pro wrestling, somehow being a pretty damn good at the mat wrestling stuff, which is Tokyo yeah. Joshi generally focused on that quite a bit in their training. Just interesting that she's better at that sort of stuff than lots of people in other promotions who've been wrestling for a lot longer. Yeah. And um, it's just something, especially, you know... Okay. I think I tried it, because this was going head-to-head with uh, AW Revolution, and I was, you know, obviously I was watching this live. Why would I watch Revolution? And I think I tweeted it out. And some, I don't remember what, during what match it was during the show, but I was like, there's probably better and more frequent mat wrestling on the show than there is on the entire AW yeah. pay-per-view. Yeah. So on, on this show, which has people who, you know, relatively new at wrestling and people who are idols first rather than wrestlers. Yeah. So I mean they're they're the mat wrestling's pretty good sometimes and uh yeah. you know mat wrestling in AEW is pretty terrible. Match number five, the uh Nojoka Tema beating Mizuki with a rolling cradle in 331. Um 
the whole thing here is Mizuki getting Nadoka stuck between the ring and the wall, you know, because she's a, a wide lady, I guess is the way to put it. I don't know. She's a big lady. Not not tall, though. <laughs> I don't know the nicest way to put it, but she's she's a very sturdy. There you go. Um, and they were definitely telling her she needs to eat less and all this other stuff, which I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's not go crazy with the fat shame in here. But uh, anyway, she beat her with a cradle, though, in uh, 331. Yeah, the currently the currently horrible Mizuki lost. She got <laughs> She's like the biggest heel in this company. <laughs> I mean, that little freaking chaos agent. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I get in the interview afterwards. They had Tenma basically say that she didn't care about the tournament. She just wanted the the the, the meal coupons, which they sort of go together. You'd think. Yeah. Uh, match number six was Natsumi Maki beating. Uh, Sena Shiori with the backlash in 212. Uh, really not to it. Very, this is a very quick match, but very energetic what last, yep. I thought. So, so um, Tokyo Space Ranger is the best nickname in, race, in wrestling. Yeah, for and, sure. And yeah, I, I think, because she's relatively new as well, and she, I thought for a two-minute match, this was really fun. And yeah. Sena looked promising. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely like what I've seen out of her, too. Uh, match seven was Raku and Yuna Manase going to our first five five minute time limit draw. Uh, it started with Raku. Raku started the match with the interesting maneuver of going to bed, uh, and Yuna did not know what to do in response to the. Like she kept looking at everybody, like, "What do I do?" <laughs> She's fucking sleeping. I, I, she might I, have been like, "This bitch is asleep." I, I wasn't. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted more: a five minute time limit draw with Yuna Manase not doing anything, <laughs> or Raku winning with that. Yeah, but it tried to be a trap, of course, because she just kept trying to roll her up. Uh, but we finally got to play junk, and um, they tied twice in a row with Rock, but Yuna sticks with Rock and beats uh, beats Raku's scissors. So, you know, when, when's the uh, when's the junk in to move on? It's interesting, considering where Raku is relative to Yudamanasi in this tournament, that this went to a draw when yeah. no, nothing else, the draws, and Raku is someone who they are starting to give a bit of a push to, you know, yeah. she's challenging for, admittedly she's challenging for the tag titles as the person will probably lose the fall in that match. But for people who don't know, um, on the day the show is meant to happen, Raku is meant to be teaming with Maki Ito um, to challenge um, Miyu Atanabe and Rika Tatsumi for the tag, for the tag belts. Yeah, it would have been great. After, after Raku got her first ever win yeah. in a very fun match. Uh, match number eight, the final first round match was Miyu Yamashita defeating uh, Mahiro Kiryu with the the uh, low kick. Look, I was looking forward to this a lot because you know I, I'm I'm a big fan of Mahiro as far as the rookies go. I think she's already really good, and you know Miyu is obviously the super ace and all. Uh, this this was awesome while it lasted, but it just went way too short. So and there's it is actually built on something. A couple of weeks ago at a fan club show, they had a tag match with the two of these on opposing sides in a two out of three falls to account fall match, which had Kiryu beating Miyu. Yeah. Um, so they're building on on that. And um, also, it's a tournament. And as we'll find out soon, Miyu Yamashita is terrible in tournaments. So yes. there's always a hope here. Sadly, didn't happen. So match nine was the start of the second round with Shoko Nakajima beating Maki Ito with a cradle in 329. Uh, Shoko was very aggressive early, but this time Maki, like, she, okay, so she she answered herself with a huge accuse from the world with a very funny deep voice. She's like, you know, uh, Seikai, whatever the fuck. And then she's like, Ito Chan. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
was great. So I don't I don't think it was on the show. I think it was on the, the following week show where Shota uh, on commentary was like, you know, I think I think uh, I think the other one asked him. Like you know, why she had the funny deep voice and showed it was like she has a very specific image of her fan base, which I guess makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so Shoko rolled up Ito for the ring countering her Ito special cradle. This was also really fun. So you know, for a three and a half minute match, uh, match number ten, Hyper Misao defeated Yuki Kamifuku with a schoolboy in three twenty nine. Uh, this was all about Yuki's dog, Yuki's dog Zach. Uh, Yuki's dog Zach was in the ring and waved hello. Uh, Misao asked us, "Big children home." For we've washed our hands and refrained from hoarding toilet paper. <laughs> Funny because Japan was in the middle of uh, everybody hoarding the fucking toilet paper, even though they said there was no danger of a toilet paper shortage. Which was it's like, not, it's not just Japan at the minute; it's happening here as well. Yeah, in Australia. Did you see the? Did you see the video of them fighting in Australia? <laughs> okay. Two fucking. Like uh, there's a video of a supermarket here where you've got um, the supermarket worker going to going through everyone's um, everyone's shopping trolley and taking out and um, spare toilet roll because they had a one per customer rule. That's fine. So you had this big massive handful of toilet roll that was taken from people. Nicole, I mean my girl, even my girlfriend, we went out. She went out and bought like a big thing of toilet paper. And I'm like, I don't think they're gonna run out of toilet paper. I think we'll be all right. She's like, I'm not taking a chance. I'm like, all right, all right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so. Well, I mean, we, to, to be clear, though, we, we bought one thing, not like fifty yeah. of them. Like I've seen some of these people doing. You don't have enough. You don't have enough toilet paper to last you for the next hundred years. <laughs> no, like some of these people. Not I have to buy toilet paper for a very long time. Uh, but yeah, so Yuki, she got a rope break by reaching out for Zach, and then used this horrified looking dog as a canine shield. <laughs> like this, Zach was not having a good time. I have to yeah. say. Uh, she sucks Masao in, and then, like, Masao gets a pot on the face. But then she rolls Yuki up after she holds... Yeah, holding she basically the dog. holds up the board colliding with the dog, basically. <laughs> and she's still holding Zach as she goes down. So, yeah, this rolled. It was the, the best match involving a canine I can remember seeing. No argument for me. Match number 11, still in the second round. Mina Shirakawa defeated Nodoka Tenma with a Samson clutch in 321. Uh... So I missed this a little bit because my stream died in the middle. Do you have any, any big thoughts? Um, nothing much. Uh, okay. Mina Shirakawa is... Um, I'd argue that across these two shows, Mina Shirakawa is quite possibly the best overall wrestler on them. In terms mm-hmm. of just... Um, no, not overall in terms of matches, but in terms of adapting to the, the empty arena thing, I think. Yeah. She was very good at that. Um, I... It just you know it was like all the other matches here relatively short really quite fun um in the promo afterwards you had Minashirakawa claiming that beating Uroka Tenma for the food coupons was actually a public service <laughs> Jesus <laughs> uh match 12 Hikari Noah defeating Yuna Manase with the figure four rotating foot clutch and 254 uh this was fun i mean you know did her big bully thing that she does and you know was dominating early but hikari noah pulled off the upset win so this was a good time i i like that figure four um you, you see it quite a bit it, it's, a, it's a joshi finisher but you think i'd like to say it's like naw who does it now um it's just it's a really cool finish um which um hikari noah pulls out every so often i don't know why i think it's just a really cool cradle and unique cradles are one of my favorite things 
match number 13, Yuki Aino defeating Miyu Yamashita with the side suplex in 228. Um, this was a little bit surprising, but I guess like, it's like you said. Uh, oh, this was the match where I made the note that Miyu and Aino uh, started on the mat with probably better mat wrestling yeah. than the entire AEW Revolution pay-per-view. <laughs> But uh, I can't. I don't. I didn't see the show. So I don't know that for sure. But yeah, I was a little surprised by the result. But you know, it's only a two counts. So I guess anything could happen. Um, yeah. Um, one thing I like about Miyu's matches is that, and you, you see it quite a bit here, um, is that she's more than willing to play at the fact that she's got weaknesses as well as strengths. Yeah. And you see it here with her tournament weakness you get, but even little things like here against Aino or against she had a match last year against Mariah Mayumi just after she debuted. And they had this mat wrestling exchange that went seven minutes, I think, which was equal. And it was because, you know, she's a judoka, naturally she should be equal. Then as soon as it went up, as soon as it went strikes, Miu won and won very quickly because she's good at that. And I, I like the way that her matches are often paced like that. And I liked, you know, even in this, sort, even in this, which is a five minute fall, two count fall match, you know, she tried to go for the, she didn't use her strikes a whole lot and she lost because that's what she's best at right uh match number 14 the first quarterfinal match rika tatsumi versus choko nakajima ended a five minute time limit draw um so we went to jonkin and choko beat tatsumi with paper so there you go uh this is a real fun real fun match uh as we hit the time limit with neither being able to get the win with cradles um, not surprised it was really good considering these, you know, these two were in the ring, but yeah. Um, Rika actually tried to claim that she'd um, she'd done uh, she'd picked scissors rather than paper, but didn't oh. work. I think I said Sh- Rika won. Shoko won. Shoko won with paper. yeah. You, you, she fooled you then. <laughs> yeah, she fooled me. Uh, match fifteen. Miyu Watanabe beat Hyper Masao the teardrop in two forty eight. Uh, a quick but fun little match here. I'm surprised it wasn't more Misao chicatory than there was, honestly. Um, yeah, well, there was the mask thing, but that was really about it. Yeah. Um, uh, match number 16, Natsumi Maki versus Mina Shirakawa also went to the five-minute time limit draw, and Mina beat Maki with paper. Um, M- Mina was, like, stunned, apparently, because she said she, she – but first said she didn't want to <laughs> – because she never wins at this stupid game, but then she did win. So there you go. And there's a spot in this match where um, Natsumaki's about to do her, fan, you know, her fancy armbar cartwheel reversal, where she her hands don't go anywhere the ground. But she <laughs> makes she makes sure the camera's looking at her at at her first, and points at it before she does it. Yeah, it's like perfect, perfect sort of the perfect um, encapsulation of her as a wrestler, really. Yeah. Um, and then the final quarterfinal match, Yuki Aino beat Hikari Noah with the Venus DDT in 309. So another, you know, short but fun, pretty much as usual for this uh, tournament. Yeah. So not much you can really say about these five minute two count fall matches yeah. other than just short but fun. These two had a really good, these two had a really good singles match. I'd like to say in the October Korokin last year. Um, yeah. As I, so the last one of last year, they had, they had a really fun singles match if people liked this and want to see these two actually have a, a not a proper match but a you know a longer match than this so the semi-finals we get our first real change it's now still a five minute time limit but now it's three count falls not two count falls and the tiebreaker is no longer junk and it's now a one count fall tiebreaker so 
Uh, the match number 18, the first semifinal, Shoko Nakajima versus Mia Watanabe goes to the five-minute draw or five-minute time limit. So then the one-count fall tiebreaker, Shoko beats Miyu in 14 seconds with a crucifix pen. Uh, you know, this was a Miyu was very so Miyu afterwards she complained and said it was one, but the ref is like, no, you're supposed to say it's zero because one means you lost. It was one and you lost, basically. But yeah, that was funny. But a good little match here. Yep. And much like the other ones, there are they were all about there were a few earlier on that were a bit rougher, but the the second and third round into the semifinals were all pretty consistently really fun five minute matches. Um with nothing overly notable about most of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, I took, I try to take at least one note per match and I've been, you know, yeah. there's not, not a lot you can say about five minute yeah. matches. I've, I, I've been doing that as well, but the next one I have absolutely nothing, which is a bit concerning. Yeah, the, other, the other semifinal was Yuki Aino uh, beating Mina Shirakawa at the Venus DDT in 323. And the announcers made sure to note that she did not need any tiebreakers to get all the way to the final. So, that was basically Yuki's big push, I guess. That she didn't, she never needed to play junk in or get a one count fall. So, but yeah, this this was a, again a fun little match again. But let's just talk about the final now, which was Shoko Nakajima. Oh, so the finals now it changed again, and that was a three count fall with a ten minute time limit. And then at that point, uh, it would again go to the one count tiebreaker if it went to the time limit. Um, but we didn't need the tiebreaker here because Shoko beat Yuki Aino with the diving senton in seven thirty three. Uh, I thought this was this was a you know three and a quarter star match, a very fun little match here. Definitely the you know just they got more time than everything else, and was you know probably the best match of the show. But uh, yeah, you know a really really fun show that really flies by when you're watching it because of all these short matches. So definitely would highly recommend it. I I had a great time watching this. Yeah. And it's it's the longest show of the ones we're talking about here. I went two two and three quarter hours, I think, but it it felt the shortest to me watching it. It just it like you said, it just it flew by. Um and again, Yuki Aino getting a bit of a push in this. And I wonder if, you know, she is someone who they might, you know, go to for title challenges in the future, possibly. Um, but who knows? It's it's sometimes hard to tell with Tokyo Joshi, especially with these one night tournaments where they'll just They'll, they'll, they'll go with someone um, very aggressively who they want to give, you know, they want to give some time to, but then perhaps it doesn't mean anything long term. Yeah. So let's go to the other Tokyo Joshi show. Oh, I should note that the show ended with basically, um, so the, the GM Koda agreed to pay for Yuki Aino's food because she said she busted her ass and all that. And basically... Everybody else wanted him to pay for their food as well, so it was a big fight at the end, uh, which is how all a lot of these shows tend to end, I guess. March eighth, the second, uh, you know, Tokyo Joshi Empty Arena show. It was the Red, Blue, Yellow Great Clash and Dojo. Uh, so this time we were doing another like mini tournament of sorts, but we were doing teams. So we have two, three teams of seven people each. Uh, based on color, and they kind of tried to match them with their normal, uh, their normal like you know ring attire colors anyway. But some of them better than others for sure. Um, team Red was Shoko Nakajima, Miyu Watanabe, Miyu Yamashita, Maki Ito, Mizuki, Yuki Aino, and Mina Shirakawa. Uh, a few people had to wear like like Miyu and uh, Mizuki had to just wear like red armbands because we have the colors pink. So 
Uh, Team Blue is Hyper Masao, Yuna Manase, Hikari Noah, Yuki Kamifuku, Mahiro Kiryu, Mirai Mayumi, and Sena Shiori. Um, one thing to note with like the if you this is like a Japanese cultural thing, but like so they they think of green as blue a lot, like you know the like a blue apple uh, is green apple, <laughs> like like that's an easy example in Japanese, and it's like. They didn't have a separate word for green until, um, like, the early, I guess, I don't know, like, probably somewhere between 700 and 1000 AD. So, like, you know, that's, that's a long time ago, obviously, but, you know, um, you know, for a long time in Japanese history, like, gr- colors that we definitely think of as green were just considered like blue, basically. And you can still kind of see that with, like, different, like, a where we would call someone green, like as a rookie, they would call them blue. You know what I mean? This so, is, I, I've learned something today. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's a similar example in another language I had in my head, but I've forgotten it. So, yeah. But, so, so anyway, that was just like a lot of these people were wearing green, like Masao and a couple, not someone else too. I don't remember now, but like, you know, green is blue, basically in Japanese. I mean, they do have a separate word. They have Al for which is blue and Midori, which is green, but the word Midori did not exist until much later in the word for blue. And, you know, there's a whole thing with like the traffic lights where like um, a lot of Japanese traffic lights are like the, the bluest shade of green possible. <laughs> so it matches the, the nationwide uh, or the worldwide like green light thing, but like they would still call it a blue light. It's very, very strange, but that's that's just a weird little cultural thing. Uh, team Yellow was Yuka Sakazaki, Rika Tatsumi, Natsumimaki, Nadoka Tenma, Raku, Palm Harajuku, and Susume. Uh, I know, I know Shota said he put Nadoka here because uh, he was thinking of her old outfit, which is yellow. <laughs> so I thought that was yeah, that. And Rika Tatsumi was wearing her old gear, which is yellow as well. Yeah, so it made sense. So basically, we had seven matches here, three singles, one three-way, and then three tags, and you would get two two points for a win and one point for a tie, obviously zero points for a loss. Uh, and whichever team had the most points would get passes to a amusement park, which uh, I don't know how, you know, that amusement park hopefully will be open in the middle <laughs> of the because a lot of them have been shut down. But, uh, maybe, yeah, you uh, get... Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be an empty... Maybe it'll be an, um, just open for them. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but yeah, that's what they're fighting for. The winning team gets passes to the amusement park. Um, and, you know, at the end, if there's a tie, then there would be a one count fall tiebreaker between two team representatives. So, all right. So we start out with match one, which is Maki Ito from Team Red beating Sena Shiori from Team Blue and 528 with a DDT. Uh, Maki started crying again when she did her huge cutest world in the world thing, but then like slapped herself out of it and then did her deep male voice answer. Uh, but there wasn't a lot to this match, honestly. This is probably one of the weaker matches of these shows, I thought. One of the funny things in this match was Maki Ito kicking out of everything at one and then thinking she'd won after a two count. Oh, yeah, that's that's all, the, all, all Dojo matches were, were two counts. Yeah, and they, so she complained afterwards and she was like, I, you know, I thought all my matches were. Uh, you know, were, were all my matches so far have been two count fall, and Shota was like, "No, you were on the DT show with Chris Brooks, and there was a three count fall, <laughs> so you should be, you should have known these were going to be three count falls." Uh, match number two, 
Mika Tatsumi from Team Yellow defeating Mina Shirakawa from Team Red in 723 with the Missile Hip Attack. Uh, this was a, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Mina had Team Red at ringside to cheer her on, but Rika had nobody. Uh, and Rika, <laughs> so Rika like Rika goes crazy on ringside, and she looks like she's having the time of her goddamn life, like sitting down on this crash dummy that's like on top of Mina while Mina's like wrapped up in the ring apron, like how Finley used to do to people on SmackDown. <laughs> It was uh really really quite the visual, and she also like tried to stack all these uh all the turnbuckle pads on her. She was really like channeling her inner hyper or something, uh, but it did not work. She so the the referee's like counting to twenty and stops at nineteen because he noticed that uh the Mina got back in the ring behind Rika, and Rika for some reason instead of waiting for the referee to count to twenty and to celebrate. Start celebrating anyway. It's like, oh, he stopped at 19. You should have thought and realized that Mina's behind you now. But no, she starts celebrating that she won. But she did win anyway, so I guess who cares? Uh, So now at this point, red and yellow both have two points. Yeah, that was um, the... Sorry. (laughs) Um, um, uh, I'll start again. Sure. one thing that was again interesting was the whole match earlier on you had um, Mina sorry Rika basic because Rika had no one at ringside just being a massive dick to everyone which I think with ring apron stuff as well really fun sort of stuff to do but I think it, it helped you know like also Team Red being there you actually got a bit of crowd noise which I think helped this yeah. match in particular just because of how Rika was working you know getting booed and all sorts yeah. Uh, match number three, Natsumi Maki from Team Yellow defeating Mahiro Kiryu from Team Blue in 6 11. Uh, Maki pinned her with a backlash. So now Yellow has four points, Red has two, and Blue still has none. Um, Maki was like vicious in this match. She could like biting Mahiro when she was hanging up in the ropes. So she was like really getting out of here. Another one of these like secret heels in the roster, I guess, one of the Mizuki. But uh, this, is, this is again pretty fun. They're all secret heels, let's be honest. And <laughs> um, um, in the interview afterwards, you had Natsumi boasting about how, although they'd never had a match before, um, Maki had beaten uh, Mahiru in the um, the open weight backer queen contest they had. Um, she's like, she was like, she was like uh, Mahiru was last. I was first. I'm like, yeah. that means you're the dumbest <laughs> and she is the smartest. Like, that's not something to brag about. But it's- anyway. For her, obviously, is apparently. <laughs> For her, it is, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that if no one's ever seen the Open Way Back and Queen, it's one of the funniest things of all time. Definitely go back and check out the tweets yeah. of the DT English account on that because, like, there's a one point where I, what sticks out in my mind is like uh, when they kept announcing these results and they announced Mahiro's first, and Mahiro's like, <laughs> at this point, I kind of figured because <laughs> everybody else in this thing was so fucking stupid. Because uh, like Miyu Yamashita was in it, and Miyu Watanabe was in it, and they're both famous idiots. So, um, Miyu Watanabe is unique in, in months of the year. Yes, that was great. Uh, match number four, the three-way match. Okay, so this is gonna get confusing because because like there's another point system unrelated to the point system to determine who wins this fucking thing. This point is a point seven. system just for this match. So basically, the special rules are. You have five rounds of two minutes each. Each wrestler starts with three points. 
The match is over. One of them loses all three points, and whoever has the most points remaining at that point wins. Points are lost when you get a two-count fall, a submission. So it's back to two-count falls. When you submit, or when something special happens, which we'll get into those special things as it goes. There's no penalty. That's the, the special penalty. There is no penalty in round one. Uh, so Miyu gets double pinned and loses one point. And they ha- they did the points by they had photos, like three photos of each of them on the wall behind them, which is funny. So they take that a Miyu photo. Um, she counters by pinning Palm quickly. So before round one even, even ends, they both down one point. Uh, the round two penalty, the, the fans got to vote on what the penalty would be, and they voted for speaking in English as the penalty. Um, and this is when you had Pop Harajuku just for the next three rounds hiding yes. right in the corner, as she always does, which is why this is a, a good match for her. I think she came in for like two spots, one of which involves um, her pinning at the end of the match, but we'll get there. And it's just funny because that's what she did. It just turns into a singles match with uh, Misao and Miyu with the not not even thinking to realize where on earth the third person is. Yeah. So the, the English penalty, they, they don't tell the wrestlers the penalties, obviously. So Masao loses a point for speaking in English when she's about to put Miu in a hold. Did you hear what she said? I didn't hear what she said. And hero, apparently. Oh, duh. Well, that makes sense. And, th- and that, that bit Masao in the past, too. So Yeah. We should do it at the end of the match. But yeah, so oh, she's down two it, points. It, in the interview at the end, because, spoiler, she wins, Um. She she talks about how she guessed that um, the, the the penalty in the first round was speaking English because she said hero and lost a point and that's happened to her before. Uh, round three penalty was Irish whipping someone on the ropes, which Miu quickly did on Misao, so kicked her in right in the face and looked very confused. Her, her like confused Nande <laughs> was really funny. She's like, why why did I lose a point? But yeah, um, but yeah, she like whips her in and like loses the point. And right afterwards, she she goes um, for a kick again, and then that goes to the referee almost as if was that what I was penalized for? Because <laughs> yeah, she'd be in trouble if kicks was bad. <laughs> uh, the end of round three, she has one point, and the other two girls both have two points. Uh, the round four penalty was again Irish whipping the ropes, and this time Palm loses the point for that. Um, so she's also down to one point. And then Palm rolls at me for the two count just when she was in the middle of destroying Masao with a high kick and Death Valley driver. But so she celebrates at first, but this means that Masao wins because Miu has no points, but Palm has one and Masao has two. So she has the most points left. She wins. Uh, that gives Blue their first point, their first win. So now the point standings for the teams is Yellow has four and Red and Blue both have two. As you get into the tag matches, which ends up being the highlight of the show, in my opinion, uh, other than that three way, the three way is fun. Yeah. But match five was Yuna Manase and Hikari Noah from Blue defeating Nodo Katenma and Suzumi uh, from Team Yellow in 9.15 when Noah used a Uranage on Suzume. Um, so first of all, Nodoka and Suzume had bananas because Yellow, I guess. Uh, and then Yuna and Nodoka had the thick girl battle where they were like running into each other with the shoulder blocks and stuff. That was pretty fun. Uh, and there's also a really good sequence at the end with Hikari Noah and Suzume before Noah finally put her away. So this is definitely the best best match of the show up till here, three and a quarter, and it moved yellow and blue into a tie with four points each, and at, red still is at two. At the point in the middle, it turned into a banana death match when um, they tried to force-feed um, Tenma just a load of bananas. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was and, fun. So that's when the bananas were there. Yeah. Uh, the semifinal, this was Blue's last match. They had to win this to stay alive. But unfortunately for them, they did not win. Uh, Shoko Nakajima and Miyu Watanabe from Team Red 
beat Yuki Kamifuku and Mariah Maumi from Team Blue. Uh, when they a Northern Light Suplex from Nakajima uh, Maumi. I don't have a time listed for this for some reason, but um, so this was pretty fun. And again, another really fun little tag match here. Uh, before, the, oh, sorry, before we get into the match, um, 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 Yuki Kamifuku had dressed up Mariah Mayumi and she obviously decided to give her some fashion advice. So she came to the ring with um, some cut off jeans and this t-shirt on the front, which just said six packs coming soon, <laughs> which um, would be impressive. But yeah, so... Um... I got the super fast giant swing by Miyu on Kamiyu, which, you know, Miyu is very strong, but also Kamiyu probably weighs like 10 pounds. So not really. <laughs> That's probably why I, I, do, I do get a bit paranoid with her doing the giant thing on Kamiyu, just in case she's not quite in the middle of the ring, because then that might not end very well. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Um, very long lady. <laughs> we had the, uh, you know, Kamiyu got revenge by drawing on Miyu's face with her makeup, but then Shoko got revenge by removing Kamiyu's makeup, and she like, got revenge from Miyu. She got little, like, makeup removes from ringside. That was pretty funny. Uh, and this left Mariah in a handicapped situation because Kamiyu wouldn't appear in front of the camera now. Uh, but she fought. It's, it's definitely the funniest way to take one person out of a match I've seen in a while. Uh, but, yes, we ended up with... Uh, you know, she fought well for a while, but ultimately got pinned by Shoko's Northern Light Suplex. Another good little tag match here, three and a quarter. Uh, you know, definitely worth checking out. And that, that eliminates Blue, and Red moves into a tie. Well, we got a three-way tie, but because Red and Yellow are the only two teams, there's still have another match that eliminates Blue. So, I think Mariah's um, someone who I think is at, at some point, so pretty soon, I think she's going to be really good. Yeah, although. Considering the natural comparison within wrestling that you can use for her is you, who got to a point in Tokyo Joshi where she couldn't really do much more and she left. I wonder if her history is entirely, her future is entirely here rather than going somewhere else. Yeah. But we'll see. She's someone who, you know, this, the rookies that have come through in the last year of Tokyo Joshi have been all really good from a company which hasn't traditionally done that. And I think that that's probably a very good thing for the future um, yeah. of them because it's still the same company. It's just that all around the quality of, because there's someone else in the, in the main event who I think has improved considerably in the last, um, in the last year or so. Um, and it's, it, it takes away a lot of one of the big issues that a lot of people have with Tokyo Joshi, which is that sometimes the matches can be not the best. Yeah. Uh, the main event, Yuka Sakazaki and Raku defeating Mizuki and Yuki Aino in 14-14. Uh, Sakazaki pinned Aino with the Magical Girl Splash. Uh, you know, that gave the win to Yellow, obviously. They had six points, the red and blue both had four. Um, this was a really fun match. Um, you know, first of all, with the Raku doing these walking over all three and then trying to get this going to sleep pin on her own, even on her own partner, which I thought was funny. <laughs> But before that, to build up to that, you had um, the other three people in the match all trying to do the Goodnight Express and everyone else in the match because yeah. they all want to do the move anyway. Yes. Uh, and then you have the Magical Sugar Rabbits exploding, which was fun with Mizuki and Sakazaki. Uh, Yuka does a top rope face buster in Mizuki, which frankly seems a little excessive for a no people show, but okay. Uh, and then we have the Yuka and Yuki exchange, which was really fun. Um, and then Yuka finishes her off with the 
Magical Girl Splash and a really fun main event. Match of the Night at three and a half stars. Definitely, if you're going to skip anything, I mean, you can watch this whole show. It's not that long, but the three tag matches, I think, are the clear highlights. So definitely check those out. I'd also um, watch the three-way as well. Yeah, that's uh, a good point, too. The three-way was yeah. pretty fun. Um, I think, again, the, the, the exchange between Yuka and Mizuki is, was really, really good. Um, I thought Rakul is very good in this, and I think it's something that, over the, again... I think people are starting to notice her more as being someone who, you know, she was always seen as being one of the weaker wrestlers in Tokyoshi, and she still probably is, but she's got something that makes her really good in a, in a match like this, where she's against three people who are obviously significantly higher with her on the roster, which means that she's got, she's got this natural underdog appeal that really works. And she's never going to be someone who is going to be, you know, um, be, be Prince Princess Champion anytime soon, but she's someone who just she fits in a lot more in these sort of high matches than she would have done a year ago and it's why i think that she's they're a lot more confident with giving her spots like this anywhere and i think her and mizuki had some fun moments in this match as well uh but yeah so definitely another fun show i like the other tournament better but this was still a good real good time so you know i there's perhaps recency bias in this i i preferred the this tournament i think it's perhaps because the matches are slightly longer and you had a bit more to get into um it's a bit, a bit, a bit more meaty you had a bit more to get into whereas the first tournament by the time it got to i, I think the the first three rounds all being five minute fall to account with jan ken i think hurt it i think perhaps having a another changing rules would have made it different but then at that point you'd be going a lot longer with the tournament and it probably wouldn't have been good anyway yeah so all right so that will wrap us up Callum. why don't you go ahead and give me some plugs i have very little to plug i have a twitter account it is ice age coming sa follow me if you would like some not very good takes about um random bits of pro wrestling uh, mostly joshi but sometimes not um and um I'll plug other things. If you are bored and want to watch some wrestling and you're tired, stardom isn't running for the next two weeks or whatever, lots of good things around at the minute. Um, um, if you go in Nico Nico, there's a really good um, Kigetsu and Chihiro match, which people should watch. Uh, one of Kigetsu's retirement matches um, and some other stuff that's happened in over the last week and broaden your horizons a bit more. Try, especially when things aren't happening as much, um, and that's that's my that's my plugs. I've mostly plugged other people and not myself. That's probably not what you're meant to do. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up from our end too. Before I forget, I need to mention the winner of the fancy draft poll, the final results from last week, the '90s Pure Fantasy Draft. Uh, Flay took it in a landslide, so congratulations to. Flay and his evil, uh, evil pro is what it was called. Yes, uh, he won. He won with forty-two percent of the vote. Uh, Paul came in second with twenty-three percent. I came in third with twenty percent, and Gerard came in fourth with fifteen percent. But overwhelming win for Flay. Uh, Flay will get something out of this. Either if we do enough fancy drafts this year to do a Champions League at the end, which is what happened two years ago, then Flay will be back. You know, he won this one, so he'll be back for the Champions League. If we don't do enough for them to do that, then he'll get to come back on and pick his own episode, which is what we do with the the winner of the Champions League when we do that. So uh, 
Fly either way will get something in result in, re- in return for this. I do want to do a 90s Joshi draft, and then I'd have to come up with like two more, I guess, during other slow weeks to, you know, to do the... It's time for it. Look to draft two. Lucha, I don't know about Lucha draft two. <laughs> we'll say. I did like the lowest number in the history of wrestling. <laughs> so, well, even, uh, even, even lower than the random FIP show you had to watch. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Let's uh, wrap it up here. You can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omikase. Wrestling, of course, would not fit. Folks, next week, I have no idea what the show will be yet. Uh, I'm waiting to see if New Japan announces anything with the New Japan Cup. You know, if they do either whether it's like No People Cup or, you know, hopefully coming back to run shows, we will try to get a New Japan Cup pick them together at the last second, as was the original plan. You know, I'm hoping they'll announce it relatively early in the week to let me do that. If New Japan's still just going to be sitting out, um, you know, at the very least, I'll be able to talk about the Big Japan uh, Corican that did take place on March 3rd that's airing in two days. So we'll talk about some Big Japan, uh, you know, strong, the strong climb, or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that. Maybe the All Japan March 14th Shinkiba show. And, you know, we'll see what else, you know, happens this week. But that'll be it, folks. Uh, In the meantime, thank you as always for listening, and we will see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.